Hello again, and welcome to the Smart Post Sound Smartcast. My name is Joe Melody. I'm president of Smart Post Sound, and I'm joined today by Jeff Habush, re-recording mixer, a very famous uh, name in our world of sound, and uh, currently working with Smart Post Sound on a lot of projects, but uh, with uh, quite a story to tell. I know that because I've heard it over and over again. Jeff, uh, welcome. Hi, Joe. Hey. Hey, listen, uh, Jeff, uh, you're one of the iconic uh, names. I know uh, back when you started your career, uh, you didn't think you'd be an iconic name. But today, really, by any reasonable standard, you are. So uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about how you started, how you got in this uh, crazy business uh, that we call post-production audio? Well, thank you for saying I'm a, an iconic name. I mean, I'm a humble guy, and uh, I'm very grateful and very fortunate to have had, spent, um, I'm not trying to or anything like that, but 40 years in the sound community. And for me, the sound community is a, a very special place with a lot of very special people. And I started in uh, back in 1978 as a recordist at a small mixing facility in Burbank, California, BNB Sound Studios. I was 18 years old and I didn't have a clue. And I worked with a really cool dude. His name was Warren Kleinman. And Warren was a real sweet gentleman who took me under his wing and kind of showed me the ropes. And uh, back in the late 70s, audio uh, had nothing to do with any kind of digital uh, mediums at all. Everything was um, film and tape recording, all on oxide, analog. Some of the best sounding stuff, I'll tell you that right now. I miss it. Um, and we recorded on film and uh, we interlocked uh, projectors with uh, 35 millimeter audio. I got to work with uh, sound editors. Uh, slowly started uh, having the opportunity to mix sound. I mixed, um, started with commercials and trailers, moved up to uh, animation, mixed a lot of cartoons, a lot of Disney cartoons. Well, let me, uh, let me stop you there because I know a lot of the audience would love to know uh, what was that very first conversation like uh, where you were offered an opportunity to sit at the uh, console and do the big job? You know, it's really funny you should say that because it's a memory that I'll never forget. And the way that it happened for me was uh, Warren Kleiman, who was the mixer at BNB Sound, he, uh, we all joined the union back in 1979. And he promised his wife, that if, or he promised his partner, if they joined the union, he would get married. They joined the union, he got married, he had kids. His wife wanted to move the kids back to Philadelphia, where they were from, um, to raise them. That's a great city. That's where I came from. That's right. Joe yeah. City. <laughs> and Warren was now a guy who came from Philadelphia, came to Burbank, came to Hollywood to make it in the sound business. He not only made it, he was a, in the union in the local 695 at the time. That's changed to the local 700. Uh, he made it and he was excited, but his wife didn't want to raise their children in Los Angeles, wanted to raise them in Philadelphia. So Warren we went to the union and he started looking at mixers, these established mixers. I was a 21 uh, year old kid that 
you know, really, I knew I, I just, I'd never really mixed, uh, you know, with clients. I mean, I knew them all. I was the recordist. I was the guy in the back loading the film, loading the audio. Uh, all these other mixers came in to interview and I kind of saw it and I go, wow, wow. I wish I could maybe do that. And I talked to my boss. He said, are you sure, Jeff? It's a huge responsibility. Are you sure you want to change your life of being a recordist where it's very low pressure and very simple and it's a life-changing situation if you want to go down sit in the console and sit with clients for eight hours a day as opposed to sit in the back room and do your own thing and just load up all the film and kind of chill out chill out back there uh and uh i talked to my buddy warren and warren said hey it's up to you it's the, it's a huge change it's a big transition i said give me a shot uh my boss stopped looking at names from the union and they gave me an opportunity to mix the first thing i mixed was a trailer and the trailer company's name was Cimarron Productions. And the guy there's name was uh, Chris Arnold, I think is what it was. So a trailer normally takes, uh, you know, an hour to mix. It's about two minutes long. You guys know what trailers are. They last for two minutes. They've got some right. narration, some little dialogue, little music, little sound effects, you know, in a time began and all, you know, all this cool stuff. But it's, it's, it's literally two minutes of sound. And an experienced trailer mixer will knock that out with playback with clients in an hour. So four hours later, uh, I was just kind of finishing it up. And the guy was patient with me. And he said something to me that I'll never forget. He goes, uh, someday you'll be a good mixer. You're not a good mixer now. <laughs> and, but I, I just, what I, I'll never forget the emotions and I'll never forget the feelings and the, my stomach was just churning and twisting as I was sitting there flailing, flailing in front of this client. And, but then I was so grateful because that's the only way to learn. You have to get basically just thrown in the fricking deep end and you have to flail to understand what it's about and to get the experience. Uh, well, and it's true that a lot of clients that we work with, uh, they don't have that much experience either. So uh, it's, it, you know, they're likely to give you a lot of room to learn as long as they end up with a good product. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, that's a 50, 50 thing. Depending. Yeah. There's a lot of some, there's some guys, obviously they want to come in and they want to just, um, they want it to be, you know, they want what they're going to want. And then there's, like you say, there's other people that uh, are going to have that uh, open mind a little bit and, you know, they'll also, it's one of those things, if you maybe negotiate and say, hey, I'm going to do this with this guy, it's going to be a little cheaper, but this is an up and coming guy. And, you know, that's the way that um, people have an opportunity to, you know, to move forward and to, uh, and to get a taste of, of what it's like to mix with clients. Absolutely. Now, before we go into uh, another uh, question, can you uh, get a little bit closer to your uh, mic? Yes. Just a little bit. Yep. Yeah. I just think uh, we'd like to hear you with all of your uh, rounded uh, tones. Okay. This is going to be a lot better. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, yeah. So you, you started uh, uh, mixing commercials, but then you transitioned into, into what? I, I remember working with you on low budget features and, and that sort of thing, but we always did those at night. If I remember yeah, the thing about B&B Sound is when we uh, we do trailers, but then we would do 
you know, features. We, we started uh, in, the, in the animation cartoons and then the low budget features. Uh, we would we would pretty much squeeze them in and whatever we could. We had we'd work during the day. We'd work at night. I had no problem working around the clock if necessary uh, because it was a lot of fun and it was all great experience. Um, after doing, you know, that kind of stuff. And then I, you know, worked with you guys at Echo Films way back in the day uh, with projects there and Porta Editorial, you know, with, with projects and television and stuff like that. Uh, then I had the opportunity to go mix um, over at Warner Hollywood Studios, Goldwyn Sound, which um, at the time, again, I, I was pinching myself. I was working with uh, pretty much some of the, the top re-recording mixers in our industry from the Don Mitchells, the Bob Litz, the Steve Maslow's, the Greg Landakers, Kevin O'Connell, Rick Klein. You know, these guys all became my brothers. And um, and, now, and, and, and Goldwyn was a, you know, it was a, it was a campus. It was a fun place to work. And we did features. And for me, I'd worked there for about 10 years at Warner Brothers um, and then had an opportunity to go work at Sony Studios. Um, and I worked at Sony for another 10 years uh, doing features and, uh, Technicolor uh, set on the Paramount lot, doing a bunch of features, and I, my, I think I've got like 160 or 170 feature credits to my name right now. Um, and then uh, when the sort of the mixing world sort of changed a bit, uh, I kind of hooked up again with Joe uh, at Smart Post um, and uh, got the opportunity to merge into the uh, television streaming uh the 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 basically what's happening in the in our sound community there's a lot of content a lot of television a lot of streaming and a lot of mixing sure there's still movies and yes i'll still move maybe mix a movie you know once a year or depending on on, on what's going on but um i got the opportunity to have a, a number of television series from uh, legends of tomorrow Black Lightning, uh, a, a Star Girl is a show that just recently aired, and uh, and it's a lot of fun because each episode is a mini feature, and for me as a seasoned re-recording mixer, I got the opportunity to really get some chops on working with the Pro Tools, um, and basically mixing in the box something that I you know I grew up mixing with no automation and uh, just with analog and a lot of just feel. And then I've merged, you know, that experience into mixing with the box. And it's been a really, uh, it's been a very rewarding and satisfying uh, experience for yeah. me. Well, so Jeff, listen, uh, you've done a lot of big features uh, over the years. What is the longest schedule that you ever had to mix a feature film? Um, that's a really great question. Uh, and it's funny because there was a movie I did a bunch of years ago called Maid of Honor. Um, uh, it was, uh, uh, I can't remember who was in it, but uh, the girl, Ellen Pompeo, is in Grey's Anatomy. And then the, the guy who was the doctor on that show, McDreamy, the, that guy, that, I can't remember his name, whatever. And it was, uh, he became, she was going to get married and he was going to be the, the maid of honor, but he was a, a male maid of honor. And so this movie was directed by an English director and it was a Sony film. And it was a pretty big movie at the time because it had a lot of music and, you know, those guys were kind of, you know, big people at the time. This, gosh, this is probably about six, seven years ago. Uh, and we started it in um, like, uh, let's say August or September. 
uh, September-ish. And it went through September, October, and then it went into November. And then it straddled the Thanksgiving vacation and went into November, um, um, uh, De uh, December. And then it actually straddled the new year because we had to come back and make fixes. So we said, boy, this is the, the coolest mix we've done. We didn't really work overtime. It was one of the longest. Uh, but that still didn't, I still broke that record. Uh, how, well, how many, how many weeks was that? Oh, that, that ended up being a good two and a half months, three months, but spread out, spread out in four months, about two right. and a half months. So whatever, about eight, not 10, 11, 12, 11 weeks and like four months. But then I mixed this movie called Metallica Through the Never with the band Metallica. And uh, it was a, you know, a, a, it was a kind of a fictional movie, but still had the, the, the Metallica dudes rocking out big time. I, that ended up being from uh like march april may june july august like a six monther it was like a six month mix wow. that really was a six month mix and then uh it kind of splashed a little over to some technical checking after the fact some qcs and some premieres and setting up rooms and doing some stuff so it was about a six monther but then if you ever wanted to do the math of a working around the clock on a um on a Michael Bay film, uh, a Transformers movie. It's, it's, it's really done in about, you know, six weeks. So you'd call that a month and a half mix. But in those six weeks, you wouldn't go home. You would work every hour that was available. Uh, because we were in the union, we have these, you know, rules where you have to have turnaround. So we try and get eight hours of sleep, but there's times you couldn't get that. So we don't, we'd work, um, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 hour days. Uh, and then if you put all those hours together, it probably ended up to be like maybe about three months of mixing. So, um, wow. yeah, I've had some pretty crazy schedules. I've got some cool stories about hours and overtime and, and sp spending the night on mixing stages and walking around haunted studios at like two in the morning and, uh, uh, you know, hearing pipes clang and chains drag and, uh, you know, all kinds of cool stuff, but uh, the Metallica six-month mix, no, hands down, that was my longest mix. But, but for the, you know, look for the layman, and, you know, a lot of people in our business, even though they work in it, they're layman. Um, so what, what do you think is achieved with the longer schedule? Because on your television projects, and I've heard them, uh, and they're fantastic, Legends and Black Lightning and uh, Stargirl. I mean, these are these are spectacular mixes. What what is going on on these longer schedules? Uh, what what's happening that that drags it out that long? Well, a, a regular kind of film, a, a basic, you know, let's say 80, 70 percent of, of a movie schedule is going to be about a six week, seven week mix. And then what when you get into this crazy stuff, what, what it is usually is. A, a lot of visual effects situations and a lot of music situations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going back to that maid of honor, uh, we, there was so much music in it and so many different songs and songs that were, um, were working and then weren't working. And then you get the whole studio involved. And so the studio comes in and they want to listen to different songs. And then what happened with that film also that ended up making it take a long time was they changed the rating of the film. 
or they wanted to have a version that was a PG-13, not an R rating. And by doing that, they had to not only go back and dub, you know, bad words out or words or any kind of like salty stuff out, but they also had to do visual effects on people's mouths that were saying certain things. You know, that was back in when visual effects were just kind of starting out and people were having a lot of fun getting rid of people's double chins and changing their mouths and, and, but it's all expensive and it all takes time. So that usually that's what the problem is. That's the main culprit. You have visual effects situations, uh, um, uh, music situations, and then you have screening and preview audience situations where people will watch the movie and say, yeah, it's okay, but we really didn't like it that much. Or it was okay, but I think it'd be better. And then while you're mixing, you know, filmmakers are going back and reshooting a scene reconfiguring, re-editing, you know, taking the beginning of the movie and putting it at the end, taking the end of the movie, putting it at the beginning, saying it's all a dream sequence, all kinds of stuff that ends up taking time. So there's a lot of crazy, uh, you know, scenarios that could end up making a mix go longer. So it's really uh, very similar to uh, rewriting the script while you're shooting the film. Exactly. When you get right down to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you started on film, as I did. And uh, you're currently working in a completely digital world inside the box. Uh, what is the biggest negative uh, of that uh, transition, and what's the biggest positive, in your opinion? Well, the the negative is, I mean, look, I love to see people work. You know, I love uh, big collaboration, and you know, producers and guys that sign checks, they want less people on the, you know, on the budget, on the clock, on the project, whatever. Back in the film days, you know, you could actually, if you looked at movies from 10, 20 years ago, you would see, you know, 30 names up there on the credits from uh, uh, different drivers and assistants and assistants to the picture editor, the music editors. You'd have, you know, a lot of, it was a lot of people, a lot of personnel involved. And also sound editorial had a, a pretty big team. You had a sound supervisor, and then you had a number of, let's say, dialogue editors that would cut different reels. You'd have a handful of sound effects editors that would cut a few of the reels also. And there'd be, you know, like a team of people. And it was interesting because everybody had their own flavors and tastes, and it was a lot of fun doing that. And everybody worked real hard, and the, and the movies all sounded great. And analog was awesome. You know, analog was a, a thing. It took us a lot as sound geeks it was really tough for us to make the transition to digital. We knew we had to do it, but we went through these big, giant, um, you know, listening tests and a being This is the digital. This is the analog and, and blind taste tests and a lot of crazy <laughs> stuff that we did. Um, and then flipping over to the digital world now, digital is what it is, and it's not going anywhere, and the sound is the sound. So you've got to work to make it sound like analog. You've got to try to work with equalization and with your ears and try to, for me, I try to remember, you know, what things would sound like back in the day with the warmth and the roundness. And I would, I can recreate it. I can, I can recreate it the best I can. Um, and then the last thing is then, you know, a lot of people have been, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people have been, you know, it's, it's a smaller crew, Let's just put it that way. Instead of these big giant crews, you've now got smaller crews where one guy is handling pretty much all the sound editorial. He's got a couple guys in the background 
sound supervisor, dialogue editor, sound effects editor. As far as mixers, there's just a couple mixers. We used to mix with three mixers. Um, but this is that's the, that's just the way that the industry has gone. That's the way it is. And if you don't, um, you know, form to that kind of method with the producers and, and the people that pay the money, you're not going to be working. So it's really important to, you know, be able to be able to mold to whatever is happening in the current times. So, so are you saying that uh, because you know what it used to sound like, which we all loved, obviously, that that actually gives you a little bit of a creative edge working in the digital uh, realm? Would you, is that what you were saying? I think so. I think yeah. so. Cause I can, uh, I mean, I'll sit there with, you know, some guys and, I'm, and I'll listen to some stuff and I'll go, well, what are you guys listening to? And I go, well, why, why are you listening to it like that? And I'll, I'll say, well, here, hold on a second. Why don't you try this? And I'll play. Uh, it now, one of the things also. you're really uh, known for are your, as you alluded to your projects. And uh, so how is it that you uh, uh, got involved with Michael? Well, that was, I was, you know, again, that gets me back to working at Sony and working with other re-recording mixers, Kevin O'Connell, Greg Russell, um, Gary Summers, uh, you know, some guys that, you know, have Oscars and tons of nominations and, and they were, they're, you know, they've done all Bay's movies. Uh, and uh, there was a movie, uh, uh, it was the uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon where they, they needed a third, they needed another mixer, a, a music mixer. And, uh, the planets all aligned in a really nice way, and I was able to get on that film. But previously, I had been on on his projects, but more in the background. Uh, I was a you call it like a helper guy, so I'd be doing pre dubs and I'd be doing printmasters. And you know, when you have these uh, six week schedules where people are going around the clock, you have other stages helping you also. So it's not even really one mixing stage that's going for a month and a half. It's two mixing stages going for a month and a half. So that, you know, kind of doubles everything up right there. So um, I was a, a guy in the background a lot and, uh, you know, had the opportunity to be part of the team, but not part of the final product product that would get, you know, the, you know, more of the accolades and the nominations and, you know, a little bit more of the, um, you know, the the uh, you know people the, the 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 just people looking you know getting uh, uh you know seeing what you've right. done um and then i had that opportunity and it was great and it was great and it felt good and i did you know i, I think i did five or six films with him um but uh, you know again i've been very fortunate to have a couple other good friend directors uh, brian helgelin uh is a uh, a writer and director uh who's done um, he did 42 and knight's tale and uh, LA Confidential and, um, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood movies. He was the writer and then he directed and, uh, and then Pete Siegel, uh, was a, it was a pretty, is a pretty good guy. Did, uh, Tom, Tommy Boy is a movie and, uh, I've done six or seven films with him. Uh, so in this business, it's really, if, if you can somehow develop relationships with people, it's, it's really well, great. Um, you, you want to, you know, yeah, you know of course, uh, you brought up uh, Clint Eastwood. And so, you know, kind of to put a button, if you, if we can, uh, you know what his reputation is when it comes to, uh, the dub stage, it's like you put it in record, you start recording and you're not allowed to stop unless he tells you to stop. 
Um, and his movies seem to sound okay. I, I don't want to uh, overstate it. I don't think they're known for sound for the most part. But uh, so when he actually does a, does a, a final mix, it, it must go a lot faster and I'm wondering if uh, you've ever talked to any mixers that are disappointed in uh, what the end product uh, was compared to what it could have been if uh, if they'd been allowed to spend the time they wanted. Well, um, go. You know, as far as sound and mixing, we can never have enough time. We could just keep going and going and trying to make it better. But uh, just uh, I actually had the opportunity to mix with Clint Eastwood, and I mixed a. Uh, a film that didn't do very well. It was called Midnight in the Garden oh, yeah. of Evil. Yeah. Um, and it was filmed in Savannah, Georgia. And it was a, it was actually a really good movie. It was Jude Law's debut. Kevin Spacey was in it. And and I had the opportunity to mix with Clint Eastwood because he had been mixing at Warner Brothers with uh, a crew of John Wrights, Greg Rudolph, and David right. Campbell. Uh, they weren't able to do that movie. Uh, so myself and Kevin Carpenter and uh, another mixer, Bob Shaper, we, we mixed that movie for Clint. And it was my first experience. And uh, Alan Murray, who's a really good friend of mine, is the sound supervisor of all right. Clint's films. So Alan comes to the stage. Clint doesn't come till he comes for playbacks. So Clint comes for playbacks and has basically like no notes. And, you know, Alan can sit there and you know, he was guiding us to the point like he doesn't want he wants a production. If it sounds noisy and it's not great, he doesn't care. It's good. It's, <laughs> it's fine. He doesn't want ADR. Put that in. Uh, Clint came in and Clint was awesome. It was one of my uh, most greatest experiences of my mixing career sitting with that guy and he'd come in, he was lifting weights and, um, and, and, and you know what, and, and this was his movie. And then just flash forward to a couple years back, uh, he did a movie sniper that was a huge sound movie and Alan Murray, uh, Clint gave Alan, you know, all the, you know, basically the, the schedule and the time that he needed to make, this um, movie Sniper, I think it was called Sniper oh, yeah. with uh, Bradley, Bradley Cooper. And, and then they, he won an Oscar. He won an Oscar and then he did Sands, the Iwo Jima movies he won Oscars for. So Clint did some movies, but that being said, one of the things with Clint is he's not big with music. He doesn't want music to, you know, make you feel certain emotions. Uh, but when it comes to sound, he, he lets Alan loose, which is a really great thing That's for cool. Alan. Um, you know, because it's, it's well, it's I remember cool. that movie. Uh, I remember the book, I remember the movie. I thought that the movie uh sounded great, and uh, it may not have been the best movie that was ever made, but uh, it certainly uh, it, it really shone on a lot of levels, and sound was one of them. So, I didn't know you did that. Oh, cool! So, yeah, uh, so uh, let's uh, pivot uh, for the last few minutes uh, to awards because uh. Uh, remind me, have you won an Oscar or have you been nominated? I, I have not won. I've been nominated four times, which uh, is some of the greatest times and experiences. Just, you know, getting, they say getting the nomination is a win. That's sort yeah. of true, but you want the win. You <laughs> want the gold. Uh, and, and, and those four nominations were just freaking awesome. And I did win an Emmy Award, uh, you know, back in the early days uh, for, mixing the animation the Muppet oh, Babies. Look, I did I um, did the Muppet Babies. I remember. It yeah. was just awesome what you did. Yeah. Yes. Those were fun, good times. And uh, Satellite Award was something that I would have been nominated for and I'd won before. And uh, 
tech awards and uh yeah the, the, the big and then you know and i, I and, and and joe just i just submitted thank you i just submitted black lightning our season finale uh i had two days to spare because you reminded me about the deadline this friday and i submitted for myself and joel and aaron the cool. production mixer uh for the uh, sound yeah. uh, nomination and hey, we'll you see know what happens if you don't uh, if you don't play you can't win so uh and sometimes exactly. it's uh, surprising what does win uh, what were the four? Uh, exactly. What were the four Oscar nominations that you uh, received? Uh, the first one was for Spider-Man Two, which I'm saying is the best Spider-Man. It had Doc Ock and still had um, uh, oh, yeah. Tobey Maguire in it, and Sam Raimi yeah. was the director, and it was really a, a great Spider-Man. Uh, and then I got nominated for Salt, this Angelina Jolie movie, which was one of my favorite sound jobs. You know, it was a uh, James Newton Howard did the score. And it was really cool. And boy, it's, you know, she's a Russian spy. And it's, you know, it's so funny talking about, you know, people going down into the bunker when bad people are coming <laughs> into the White House. Well, that movie had that happen with uh, Liv Schreiber. And it's like a really, really cool scene. No spoiler alerts, but it's a freaking awesome movie as far as Angelina Jolie being a Russian yeah. spy. Um, and then uh, Dark uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon, which is also one of the really great Transformers um uh, one of the you know there's five of them and you know they started you know obviously changing but it, this was one of the earlier ones and uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy was uh, uh, one of the voices of the robots and uh, and it still had Shia LaBeouf in it uh, who I thought was was better than you know Mark Wahlberg not hacking Mark because I love Mark and he's a good guy and all that but the Transformers changed a little bit after you know him and uh, Megan Fox were in it and 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 all the and all the robots, you know, the movies about the robots, and it was a great sound movie, and I was very honored to be nominated for that. And then the uh, the last one was the uh, um, Thirteen Hours Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, uh, which was also a really interesting story. And again, boy, you know, watching all the riots right now on TV in the current times mm -hmm. we're living in, you know, watching freaking people take over the uh, U.S. consulate in um, Baghdad or wherever the was going on back then not i don't think it was bad it was it was a triple uh libya libya whatever yeah so uh it's 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 scary you know when you see these crowds and and that movie had um john krasinski was the star a bunch of stars a bunch of people in it and it was a really good movie and uh it was it was you know it was it, it, it was the sort of like a, a true story and you know it wasn't a documentary or anything like that but it uh it was yeah, no. It, it, look, you have a uh, you have an amazing body of work, and uh, and with those four nominations, what can we say? You know, anybody can get one, probably. Some people can get two. We all know one or two people that got three. There aren't that many people that get four. So, and I'm looking for five, man. I'm looking for. You're going to get them. You're going to get them. So. Uh, <laughs> As we get to the uh, end of our time together, uh, you know, I always like to ask because you've, uh, you know, a lot more uh, big stars than I do. And uh, do you have any stories about, you know, a big star that you could tell that won't get us sued? Uh, yeah, I do. I think I do. Um, you know, I spoke about my uh, friend, uh, good friend, Brian Helgeland. Um, he... I actually got to mix a movie in London with him, uh, movie Legends. Uh, it was a really good movie with, um, uh, you know, the, uh, 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 Tom Hardy played twins and 
Uh, and we, we had a lot of great times in London, but the film I did before that movie in London was a movie called 42. Um, there's the Jackie, uh, Jackie Robinson story. And it was an awesome movie. And if anybody hasn't seen it, it's, it would be a really good movie to see. And uh, Brian hired um, Chadwick Boseman uh, to play Jackie Robinson. And Chadwick Boseman was, you know, he became the Black Panther and he's a giant movie star now. But at the time, that was Chadwick's first movie. And, um, you know, Brian was saying, hey, I hired this new guy and he was telling us stuff about him. And then he told us a, an interesting story, and I thought it was kind of cute. Um, they uh, had to do some ADR for the film and, uh, you know, replace some of the dialogue. And they went to the ADR stage, and, you know, uh, Chadwick, Chadwick was, uh, you know, doing some baseball stuff in the ADR stage, you know, moving around and breathing and doing whatever, and he was kind of doing physical. And the ADR mixer said, uh, I, I hear some, like, it's like some metal stuff i hear what, what do i hear i hear some like uh some chains or something or chains and chasm goes oh oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry uh that's my bus money i got change <laughs> in my pocket so he, he pulled out his bus money and that's where that cat started man uh you know taking the bus to the adr stage and then just flash forward to you know him being the black panther and he should say thank you to Brian. I'm sure he has. Hey, that's uh, hey, that's a great story. And uh, hey, thanks for telling it. And thank you for uh, being with us today, Jeff. Um, I, I hope this isn't the last time. I think you've got a lot more to tell us. But uh, for now, we're gonna uh, we're gonna sign off and uh, and uh, thank everybody for being with us for uh, this uh, episode of the Smart Post Sound Smartcast. Cool. My pleasure. Okay. And Thanks, thank Jeff. you very much. Bye-bye.